This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A few years ago, my in-laws moved into a new house, just a few blocks from the one they had lived in before. This was a little bit smaller and a little more perfect for their now empty nest. I remember talking to my mother-in-law on the phone and that she told me she loved a house and yard that she could wrap her arms around. Over the last few years, I've thought about that image a lot and I've come to discover that I'm the same way. I love a house and yard that I can wrap my arms around. Welcome to Live Free Creative, the podcast that provides inspiration and ideas for living a creative, adventurous, and intentional lifestyle. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I hope that each time you listen, you feel a little bit more free to live your life exactly the way you want to live it. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson. You're listening to episode 30 of Live Free Creative. Pros and cons of small space living. I'm super excited to dive in and talk about this topic with you today. We all, whether we're living in a smaller space or a larger space for ourselves or our families, we all can think about the space that we live in a little bit differently and maybe change our perspective on how we approach the different areas of our homes or apartments. And so I hope to give you some ideas about maybe just some new perspectives, some new ways to look at it and think about it, especially for those of you who are in stages of life where you are not in a permanent place. Maybe you will have an opportunity to move sometime in the near future. Maybe you are in the process of moving right now. Maybe you are in a temporary location and you're going to settle back in somewhere sooner than later. The things that I address today in talking about larger and smaller spaces should hopefully Shed a little bit of light on some new ways to think about this opportunity that you might have to choose because definitely the flow of society and culture, especially in America, leads us down one path, right? The traditional ideas about spaces is that as you grow and as your family grows, your space should also grow. And I want to just take a good look at that today and maybe challenge that idea a tiny bit. I'm also super excited to share an interview later on in the episode with my first official guest. My husband Dave has been on the show a couple times and it's been really fun to record with him. And this was an official call to a friend who lives in California. So we figured out the technology to get both of our voices recorded. You wouldn't imagine that that's very hard, but it was a, I had to Google how to do it. And so we got it figured out. And I have Shavonda Gardner from SG Style Blog on the podcast a little bit later. I'm super excited to share our conversation and the things that we spoke about. She is an incredible interior designer who also is a small space mama. And I can't wait to hear some of the tips and some of the experiences that she has to offer. As we get started today, I'm going to just jump in with a quick segment. Here's a little bit about life lately.
has definitely been a few weeks since I shared a life lately, so I thought I'd give you a little bit of an update. Most of you know that we had a big flood back in November. I'm not going to rehash all of the details. I go through that in several of the different episodes, and I also am planning on getting a blog post up about it because I've neglected to share it there. We are making some real progress, so I'm super excited that we have ceilings again in our house. All of the sheetrock has gone up. It's been mudded and taped and is sanded, so it's ready to paint. Upstairs, the new master bedroom, master bathroom has been almost entirely framed. So we have these two cool closets. We, we added two pocket doors, which are really great for space saving when you live in a smaller space. This week, I'm ordering tile. I'm ordering the vanity. I'm ordering lighting. I already built some Ikea furniture. We're actually going to do some really cool kind of tuck built-ins. The attic of our house has knee walls, so if you're not familiar, you can imagine the pitch of a roof like a triangle goes down and on those very end corners on the two sides of the triangle, that doesn't have a lot of usable space. Like if the wall were to really to go all the way down into the corner, you'd have this little teeny tiny edge. And so contractors generally install what are called knee walls at about a four foot mark. So there's this triangle of unused space behind the wall in the attic. And so I'm tapping into that and using some of that unused space for a built-in dresser and a built-in bookshelf. And I'm super excited to see how that comes along. I actually just bought a dresser, a wood dresser and a wooden bookshelf from Ikea and put them together. And I'm going to have the contractor inset them into the wall. So in my closet, there will be sheetrock and then this dresser where the drawers actually pull out of the side of the wall, which is really cool, and then sheetrock on the other side. So I'm really excited to transform our attic space with some personal touches, some really strategic and thoughtful ways to use the space better to make it feel more cohesive. The attic of our house, we live in a 1948 Cape Cod, and the attic had been an afterthought. So at the point the house was built, the attic was just an attic space. The home was intended to be a single story. At some point, you know, in the last 80 years, someone put stairs up to the attic and added a small bathroom upstairs. It was done. We were so happy that it was done when we bought the house because that's a lot of plumbing and things that we didn't have to deal with. However, the space was not really used super intentionally. It was kind of one big random open room with a little bathroom and a closet tucked into the corner. And so although we didn't ask for a catastrophic flood to ruin a lot of our recently remodeled house, the silver lining was then that we were able to have a reason, kind of an extra push to remodel the master bathroom, master closets, and master bedroom into a space that we really want wanted to have some ownership over and really love. We had intended to do that later on this spring. Funny enough, it's taking so long for the construction that we actually are ending up completing this construction of the renovation at the same timeline that we would have anyway. But back when the flood happened in November, I thought, oh good, we're going to get the master bathroom and bedroom done ahead of schedule instead of all the way into spring. But by now, it we probably won't have it completed until the middle of April. In the meantime, we've been living in a great Airbnb, and you would not believe, if you saw on Instagram, you probably were shocked along with me, that a couple weeks ago, I was at a conference in Austin, Texas. I got a phone call from my son who said that the Airbnb was flooding as well. You cannot make this stuff up. He, I thought he was joking. He was not, in fact, joking. 
one of the pipes beneath the vanity in the upstairs bathroom of the Airbnb property had wiggled loose from its fitting and water had started to spray all over. Unfortunately, no one was home when the leak began, so it was probably going for a couple hours. When my kids and the babysitter walked in after school, it was raining through the ceiling in the kitchen. There was water coming down the stairs. It was all over the floor, both upstairs and downstairs. And it was basically like deja vu. Once Dave was notified, he left work and came over to help problem solve and get a hold of the Airbnb owners and make sure that they could you know, rectify the situation as quickly as possibly. And he sent me this video where my daughter, Plum, has gone and put on her bathing suit. And when my sons asked her about it, she was dancing around in this, you know, raining ceiling. And she said, well, this is what I do when there's a flood. I put on my bathing suit when there's a flood, which I just think is the absolute best lesson. Through all of this craziness, our ceilings falling down back in August, our giant flood in November, moving out of our house, and then having this albeit minor flood in the Airbnb. Luckily, we're still going to be able to stay in the property throughout the process of they're going to have to do some sanding, a little bit of sheetrock repair, and the painting. And we it didn't affect any of the bedrooms, just the kitchen and the bathroom. And so we said, let's just stay put for our own sake. It has been amazing to see how flexible and adaptable my children are. And they've been such a good example of that for us as well, that we just know now that we can roll with the punches. Really nothing could surprise me at this point. I do not even know what crazy, unexpected experience we could have that would knock me off my feet. So right now I just feel like we are rolling with the punches, we're going with the flow, and we're making the best of whatever comes at us and trying to enjoy life every day in the meantime. So that is life lately. I'm really excited to jump in and talk a little bit more now about the pros and cons of small space living. If you know me at all, you probably know that I'm a, an advocate of smaller spaces, not necessarily always living in the teeniest, tiniest that you could possibly cram your family into, but just recognizing that bigger isn't always better. And that idea is a current that can be hard to swim against in our society. I remember when Dave and I were first married, we lived in about 400 square feet in a small basement apartment while I was finishing going to school. And we loved it. It was tiny, but it was also really, really affordable. We were able to paint it and make it our own and decorate it mostly with secondhand furniture, garage sale finds, and definitely I was not above picking up a bookcase or a chair from the side of the road that someone was giving away for free. We were creative and we really had all of the space that we needed. We had a small living room for entertaining. We had a kitchen for cooking. We had one bedroom for ourselves, one small bathroom, and then there was a little room that we used as a study. So it was really the perfect amount of space for our then two-person family. When we moved to the DC area, we found a 900 square foot apartment. At this point, we were a family of three. It was two bedrooms, two bathrooms with a small living room, dining room, and kitchen. It was really, again, another perfect layout, a perfect amount of space. We had great neighbors. It was affordable, and it was just right for our growing family. Of course, around this time, I saw friends back home in Utah who had not moved away for school and were starting to buy their first homes. They were buying homes that looked like the home that I grew up in. They were buying really big, beautiful homes with big yards. And I think because Dave and I lived in the city, we were living right near DC in Alexandria, Virginia, 
Everyone that we knew lived in apartment buildings. No one had an actual real house that lived anywhere near the city that we knew. And so it felt really normal. But our idea was always that one day when we were living, quote unquote, our real life, we would move into a big house with a big yard with a swimming pool and a tennis court and just live the dream. Fast forward a couple years, we had our second child. We lived in a two-bedroom apartment, and so of course the boys were going to share a room. And I created what was one of my favorite and most popular blog posts about building my son a crib into the closet. We called it a Dutch cupboard crib, if you're familiar with Uh, Dutch design this was really common to build beds into little nooks and so we built his crib right into the closet it was perfect Milo had a toddler bed Elliot was right in the closet Dave and I had our bedroom there were two bathrooms we were able to do all of the things that we needed to do the toys tucked away into little baskets in the living room so they could be out playing during the day and then they would all disappear from sight at night when we wanted to have friends over to play games or invite people to dinner We were able to easily get outside to parks or playgrounds. It was really just a great lifestyle. And when I was expecting our third baby, we decided it was time to move. Not only move out of the apartment into a new place, when we looked up to see what it would cost to add one more bedroom, it almost doubled our rent to add one more bedroom. And so right at this time, we were also feeling antsy for just maybe moving on from the job. Dave's law firm was really very taxing. And we also thought, you know, I think we've grown out of apartment living. We've grown out of this. We're ready to move on to that next stage. And what that stage looked like in our heads was a big house on a big lot. So we decided what city we wanted to move to. We settled on Austin, Texas. Dave looked for a job and quickly was able to find one working for a different law firm. And so we headed out west. It was really easy to find a small rental while we decided what we were going to buy. And because we had lived in such normal size, small sized apartments, we felt really comfortable in 1,000 square feet or 1,200 square feet with the two boys and the two adults. And then I was expecting plum. When it came time to actually choose a house, though, I knew that I didn't want a giant, giant house because it just felt a little bit overwhelming, but I did want more space and so we found a lot I was actually more concerned about our lot I wanted a lot of space outside and so we found a half acre lot on a cul-de-sac that had a little grove of trees and it just looked beautiful and we decided to build a house now I've always loved single level homes for whatever reason I actually didn't grow up in a single level home I grew up in a home with lots of stairs my parents home is about four levels all completed a finished basement a living level a bedroom level and a finished attic that was a playroom so I had a really large house growing up and I also I think maybe living in smaller spaces for most of my adult life had made me feel like I just liked a little bit cozier space and so we decided to build the smallest house that our builder offered on this big lot but small was 2400 square feet so we were over doubling the amount of square footage that we had had living in the city. This felt like a palace to us. It was all on one level, which is really, I just think still is the the best layout. I love it so much to have a big rambling single level home. And we just went to work designing it and making it just right for us. 
Around this same time, our friends who were back in Utah or other places in the country were also moving into newer homes and they also were upsizing. So whatever they had moved into as their starter home, they now were moving on to a mid-level home or what some of them may have even called their forever home. If you were moving into a forever home, that was quite a bit of a leap. People were moving into really big, multi-garage, multi-room, multi-level homes. And of course, space and home size is very relative, right? So what is large in one city or area may be tiny in a different city or area. It's very location-based. It's very cost-of-living-based. It's very cultural. And where we were living in Texas, in our neighborhood, our house was the very smallest house on the block. One of the very smallest homes in the neighborhood, in fact. And it felt like an absolute palace to us. It had 10-foot ceilings throughout. We added beautiful hickory hardwood floors. We could slide from the front door all the way to the open format kitchen and living area. I had all of these beautiful windows overlooking this giant lot with our trees and we put a trampoline out there for the kids. It was really wonderful. And as the years went by, so we had, it was four bedrooms and three bathrooms, but we still put the the boys together. They shared a room. Plum had her own room. She was the baby and so we had a nursery set up for her. I used the front bedroom as my studio so I had an in-home office and then Dave and I had the master bedroom and bathroom. In addition to that there was a big living room, a big kitchen, a dining nook within the kitchen and a separate dining room. There was also a two-car garage and a separate laundry room. And we quickly realized as we moved in and settled in, first of all, that we did not have near enough furniture to fill this house. We had one tiny little couch, one little rug, all the, you know, we brought like our chairs and our tiny little table and the home just swallowed our furniture. And so I knew we were going to have to go to work really feeling, filling this home up to make it feel cozy and like our own. I also quickly realized that there were a couple rooms that we didn't need at all. Oh, there was a study. (laughs) I'm forgetting. There are all of these rooms. There was a study that we ended up using as a toy room. So we had a studio. We had the toy room. We had the dining room, which we quickly converted into an indoor patio room. We It just felt too far away from the kitchen to actually use it as a dining room. It didn't make sense. And so we hung some hammocks from the ceiling and put a bunch of plants in there and used it as an indoor patio room. The truth is, looking back, that we didn't need it and we didn't use it all that often anyway. And the truth is, I can look back on the toy room and realize that my kids rarely actually played in there unless I was with them. They still would bring their toys from the toy room into the living room while I was cooking dinner or I was working on something in the kitchen so that they could be nearby. The laundry room was another room that we never, ever used. I would wash the clothes in there and dry them and then put them in baskets and bring them back into the living room so that I could fold them while I watched my favorite show on Netflix or listen to a podcast or talk to Dave after work. So all of this to say that it was really wonderful to have all of this space. And as we got ready to move, accepted a job in Richmond, Virginia, and We're in the middle of our year of not shopping, so this year of experimental minimalism. I realized that a move offered us an opportunity to make a change. We could find a home that was similar to the one that we had been living in and loved. We could progress or move forward or move up like a lot of my friends had done and like would have been natural and accepted for us to now move into a little bit bigger home 
maybe add some stairs. All my kids wanted was stairs. <laughs> so we could have moved into a home that had a second level and had some stairs. Or I realized we had the opportunity to make a change to progress by scaling back. And that is ultimately what we decided to do. Rather than find a home that was a little bit bigger, a little bit shinier, a little bit better than the one that we had been living in, we decided to spend the first year living in a 1,000 square foot rental just while we got our feet wet in the city and got to figure out where we really wanted to live. I was excited to experiment with smaller space living, even as our family was growing up. At this point, we had three kids and a dog, and they weren't tiny kids anymore. When we moved, they were three and five and seven. And so they all needed a little bit of space. But I knew as I thought back on the way we had used our house, this big house that we had built and planned to grow up in, that there were whole areas of the home that we weren't using but we were furnishing them, we were paying for them, we were cleaning them, we were paying utilities on them, but we weren't actually using them. They didn't add a whole lot to the value of the home itself or to the value of our lives. So we decided to downsize. We moved from our 2,400 square foot home into a 1,000 square foot, two bedroom, one bathroom house in Richmond. And you know the craziest part about it? It didn't affect our lives all that much. All of my day-to-day worries and joys felt the same. And this wasn't like a really beautiful, redone, excellent thousand square feet. This was sort of a crappy little house, to be honest. It was just what we could find in the nick of time to move. And there were things kind of falling apart. I definitely added a lot to it. I painted the entire house, even though it was a rental. I was investing time and money into this space so that it would feel cozy and clean for our family. But it definitely was not like a high end, you know, a thousand square feet can feel really, really beautiful and posh. This was not that. But it was really interesting to pay attention to how much it actually affected our day-to-day living. And the truth was, not that much. I had all three kids in one bedroom, including their toys and all of their clothes. Dave and I shared another small bedroom. The five of us shared the bathroom. We had a kitchen, a small living room, and a little sitting room. And we were able to function really well. Because the downsizing went so well, we decided we were looking for a smaller home. And so we were able to find a house in the city, the fixer-upper that I talk about all the time on here that we are still fixing up, (laughs) is 1,400 square feet right in the city, and we absolutely adore it. We were able to go up one bedroom and one bathroom from the rental, so now we have three bedrooms and two bathrooms, a living room, a little sitting area, our kitchen with the dining sort of attached. We added a front porch and a back porch and it feels absolutely perfect for right now. Will we stay in this house forever? Honestly, I don't think so. We didn't buy it thinking it was our forever home. I'm really, really loving living there and working on it. We're nestled into the neighborhood and the school. And after our last couple years, I have no idea what the future is going to bring. And so I'm trying to put in our roots, dig down deep, bloom where we're planted, and maybe we will find another opportunity sometime in the future and make a little different decision. However, I love the idea of thinking about all of the options when you're considering your living space rather than just going with what people tend to do. And let me tell you what people tend to do. People tend to buy bigger, bigger, and bigger houses at each stage of their lives. 
There are all kinds of studies about this, but a couple recent ones that I just saw showed that living space per person in the 70s was about 300 square feet. So of course, if you had a larger family, it was a little bit larger home. If it was a smaller family, it was a little bit smaller home. This is the average, national average in the United States, about 300 square feet per person in the 1970s. Now by the 1990s, just 20 years later, that square footage per person had over tripled between 900 and 1,000 square feet per person in the average home in America. So to use my family as an example, our home in Texas was 2,400 square feet and there are five of us, so we were just under 500 square feet per person. Like I mentioned, this was one of the smaller homes in the neighborhood. Now, in 1,400 square feet, we're just under 300 square feet per person, which is closer to the average of the 70s than of the 90s. Take a second and just calculate for yourself about how many square feet per person do you have in your living area. It's not good or bad. This is a very neutral circumstance, right? It's very interesting, though, to just take note and be aware of maybe where you fall. I also want you to consider for a second the last time that you needed to make a change, or maybe you're in the middle of this right now thinking about moving, does it ever even occur to you to scale back? Or does making a change in living space always mean to buy bigger? Because I think that that is what we are taught to understand, that the only real way to go as far as living is to go up to bigger spaces. And I want to just introduce the idea that that might not have to be the case. And in fact, you may find that your life is even more fulfilled living in a little bit smaller space. And to share this perspective, I want to give you some of my favorite pros about small space living. Don't worry, I will follow it up with some cons so that you can see that I understand that this isn't the only way to go. And there are some downfalls to having a smaller space. But I overall, I feel like it's something that we ought to consider a little bit more often than we do. So here we go. Pro number one, of course, is less expense. Not only less expense in actually buying or renting a smaller property, but there is less expense in filling it with furniture and decorating. Less expense in cleaning if you hire a cleaner. Less expense in your t utilities and electricity. And when you free up that money in your budget, think of all of the incredible things that you could do. We, of course, are huge proponents of spending our resources on experiences. Less stuff, more adventure is our mantra and our rally cry. Think of if you can have less space and more adventure. That is also something that is huge wonderful benefit of choosing a smaller space. It's an interesting to consider how much a clean home means to you. If having things put together and organized feels really important to you, recognize that if you had less rooms or less stuff in those rooms, that it would be a lot easier to keep it put together and to keep it clean. I love that having a smaller home also creates some natural boundaries. When we moved to Texas and we had big rooms with big closets, over the four years that we lived there, I unnecessarily filled it up. I filled it up with stuff, not all random junk, although there was some of that, but every time there was something that was great and it was cool and it was beautiful and I loved it, there was always somewhere to store it. And so I unnecessarily bought and kept things that I didn't need. So when you have smaller spaces, you think twice about, do I really 
want to replace something in a cabinet or a cupboard because I don't have room for everything. So it's really nice to have some natural boundaries on your actual consumer habits. One of the things that I love, and some people may disagree with this and that's okay, is that my family stays close together. There is not a lot of space in a smaller home for people to retreat off into their own bedrooms or their own wings of the house and not be seen. I love that there are natural gathering places that we spend all of our time anyway. Our kids are still young enough. They want to be with us all the time. Hopefully that doesn't change too much as they grow up. But they do have bedrooms where they can have some alone time when they need it. I often invite them to go spend time outside if they need to run around or or burn off some energy. But for the most part, everyone is within a hug's reach or within the sound of our voices. And that has felt really special. I feel like our family is really close because we spend so much time in each other's spaces. Another pro that I love about small space living is that it invites this natural creativity because you don't have all of the space in the world. There isn't just another room to turn into a sewing room or to turn into a ballroom. So if you want to sew or you want to dance, you have to start to think of some creative solutions. Having some constraints on your space naturally invites you to think in new ways about how you're going to solve the problems that you encounter. In our house in Richmond, our 1,400 square feet, I have found so many interesting ways to add storage and to add space and to make the rooms feel big even when they're small with just some different tips and tricks. Like I mentioned earlier, building a dresser into the knee wall of the attic adds an entire dresser that doesn't take away from any of the actual footprint of the bedroom. And so... I wouldn't have maybe thought of that if I had a room that had enough space to add dressers on all the walls anyway. So it's really fun to think of creative solutions and to use all of the space in an interesting way. And the last pro that I want to mention is that I feel like choosing the amount of space that you need for your family is an intentional choice. It's not just going with the bigger is better attitude because that's what you've been taught, but actually considering what do we need what, how do we want to feel at home? What would improve on our lifestyle? Considering those things and then choosing with intention what you need, whether that's a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller, I feel like for me, being able to take a step back and not just automatically choose the next biggest thing, but to choose the thing that fits our lifestyle right now, that's a really good choice. So those are some of my favorite things about smaller spaces. Now I want to quickly tell you some of my cons about small space living. One of them is that you give up the status of living in a big house. And unfortunately, there's no way to get around the idea that people are kind of googly-eyed over giant houses. In fact, my son comes home from my parents' house and says, gosh, Mama and Papa live in a mansion. I want to live in a mansion one day. They don't live in a mansion. They live in a big house. But just the idea that... Bigger houses maybe mean more wealth or more status or more visibility or more success. And I have loved coming to an understanding for myself that the size of my home and the things that I wear and the car that I drive, that none of these external factors really truly say anything about who I am and what my worth and value is. And so even though they may be used from time to time as status 
symbols for other people, I don't have to internalize that or feel that for myself. And in fact, if I'm being totally honest, sometimes I feel like maybe it's a, I have a little bit of pride of being a smaller homeowner, that I feel like, no, I don't need all of that excess, that I feel really cozy in my house the way that I am choosing to live right now, even if that's not everyone's choice. Okay, my second con about smaller space living is that storage can be tight. So I find that our day-to-day stuff, the clothes that we wear and the books that we read and the toys that my kids play with, those all fit fairly well within just the closets and the baskets that we have appointed for them. But where we get into trouble with storage is that we are a hobby family. We love to camp, we love to hike, we love to ride bikes. And so in our current house, we don't have a garage. We have a little shed, but I realized that a garage is it doesn't add anything to our living space, but it would absolutely be a place where we could store the lawnmower and the bicycles and all of the camping gear and maybe some holiday decorations. I still have a few boxes of journals and scrapbooks that are sentimental that I want to keep for my children or at least for a few more years until I decide I don't want them anymore. In a larger house, you definitely have more opportunities for easier access to storage. Another con of smaller space living is that hosting friends and guests can be a little bit tricky. We have such wonderful family that they (laughs) have just been okay coming and staying with us even if we don't have a whole room dedicated as a guest room. In our current house, my son's room converts into a guest room. We have a queen bed in there and he can easily go sleep on the trundle in the other kids' rooms so we end up being able to have a nice space when we have a couple come stay. But if we were to have a whole family come, we would definitely need to put someone on the couch and a couple people on the floor and, you know, shift things around. So it's not like we have a whole area that would just be dedicated for guests. It's the same when we invite people over for parties. But I will admit that although I love to host and entertain, sometimes I can't wrap my head around exactly where I'm going to put all of the people I would like to invite, and so I second guess it. Maybe I have to pare back my guest list, or maybe I have to ask someone else to host with me. And my final con about smaller space living, and I would love to hear yours if you have some. Um, Leave them in the comments of the show notes at livefreecreative.co slash podcast. Look for episode 30 and tell me your pros and cons about small space living. The last con is that it does get messy quickly. So if you have one living room and the toys are in there in baskets and your kids play all day and you come into the room after an hour or two, I mean, let's be honest, after five minutes, there can be Legos from wall to wall in that room. So it gets messy very quickly. If things are out of place in a small house, it feels messy. When I get a couple packages either for a collaboration I'm working on or if we order, you know, some new tennis shoes for the kids and those boxes stack up in the entry area of the living room, all of a sudden I feel like we can't move around. So I have to deal with the things that come in very quickly in order to not feel like the whole house is cluttered. The flip side of that is that it does clean up very quickly, but if you're someone who feels a little bit flustered if things are not in place, then that's something that you may have to adjust to with a smaller space. Now that I have given you the ins and outs of my perspective on the pros and cons of small space living as well as our experience as a family, I can't wait to dive into this conversation and give some extra perspective with Shavonda Gardner. Let me give her a call. Hello. Hey there, Shavonda. How are you doing today? Hi. How are you? 
I'm great. I'm so excited to be talking to you and having you on the show today. Thank you. It's great. I'm happy to be here. Yes, awesome. So for those of those people who um, are unfamiliar with you, I'm going to encourage them all to go follow you on Instagram, find out more about you, visit your blog. But why don't you give a short introduction um, about who you are, your family, and, you know, what you're up to? Okay, so hi, everyone. My name is Shamanda Gardner, and I'm a blogger and interior designer, content creator um, based in Sacramento, California. And I live here with my wife, Naomi, and our two kids in our Great Dane. Basically, I am a blogger who is very passionate about um, interiors, specifically small spaces, um, because I am a small space dweller, and so I just kind of am really up close and personal with the struggle, <laughs> the struggle that is yes. like, Yeah, so I just really love sharing, you know, our family's journey into downsized life as well as just really beautiful things that I see happening in the world of interiors. Yes, you are one of my favorite places to see just a different perspective on interior design, not only because Mm -hmm. of your small space living, which, you know, it's so easy right now, especially to see beautiful interior design done in huge homes and huge spaces. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, yeah, yeah, if I had, you know, a 20 foot wide and tall wall of windows, my living room would look (laughs) beautiful too. It doesn't matter what you (laughs) put in it. Um, But where you um, are able to add drama and color and layers and all of these beautiful um, textures and your spaces are just so vibrant and so interesting and so beautiful and they're not common, which is so fun to see. Thank you. Yeah, so I want to start by asking about your your journey to downsizing because you didn't always live in a smaller space. Tell me about your house right, right now, about how big it is. So my house right now is we're just at 1,200 square feet, and we're okay. in two bedrooms, one bathroom. Right, and there are four of you plus the dog that's a human size because he's yes. a big dog. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, um, so this is by typical American standards. That is a small amount of square footage per person. It's about 300 square feet per person. What was it that prompted you to decide to move from what was a bigger space into the house that you live in now? Can you explain a little bit about the things that um, led to your deciding to downsize? Sure. So this is actually kind of a multi-layered question for me. Well, first of all, our previous house was twice the size of this. We literally came from about 2,400 square feet, four bedrooms, three bathrooms. And, yeah, so we literally cut our living in half. And Mm -hmm. we have half the bedrooms, half the bathrooms, half the square footage. We were in, like, just kind of your basic builder-grade, you know, tract home kind of planned community situation. It was what I thought we needed as a family when our kids were younger, when we were first trying to get into the market. I mean, first of all, we live in California. So for us to be able to even break into the market was a huge accomplishment because it's, you know, it's kind of hard. At the time, we were just, you know, our kids were much younger when we first, when we bought our first house. Um, I think our son was maybe two and our daughter was like six seven maybe, that they were uh-huh. young. And so, you know, we had that perception as young parents and parents of young little humans. 
we were like, okay, we need all the space we can get. These, you know, we need space for them to grow. We need, you know, a place for them to, for us to be able to spread out. And it was just this whole concept of space, space, space. That's what you hear. That's what right. you need. That's what you think that you need, especially when you have children in the picture. The phrase, like, we need something to grow into. Like, we need yes. to, it's like when you're, when you're young and your mom always buys your shoes two sizes too big so that you can grow yeah. into them. Exactly. Um, yeah, we hear that about <laughs> homes, right? Like, buy a home to yeah. go into because the kids are only going to get bigger. There may Absolutely. be more of them, you know. So yeah, yes. okay. Yes. And so, I mean, that's we. That's exactly how we went into our home buying process. You know, the house was wonderful. We didn't think that it was going to be our forever home for sure, but it was a great mm-hmm. starting point for us. And you know, we right. really went into that house thinking like, okay, we're going to start here and then move up. Like our next house would maybe be bigger. We'd maybe have, you know, a little bit more space or whatever. But we were in that house for three years. And I'd say at about the two and a half year mark, I looked around one day and realized that of all of the space that we had and how big and spread out we were, we were literally only actively living in about half of it. You know, we had like, the formal part of the house. So we had our our front door that had like the formal living room, formal dining room, big entry. And then you would walk into the kitchen, which was like a big like eat-in kitchen. It was open concept. And then off the kitchen was the family room. So essentially the only parts of the house that we really lived in and used on a daily basis was like the kitchen, family room, and then our bedroom. And I just Mm -hmm. kind of saw the way that our family was living in it. And our kids were younger, you know, and, they right. had their toys and all that, but they would bring their toys into the family room and take them to their bedroom. And it was like we were literally only living in half of our house. It just kind of struck me, well, first of all, I am a Southern bred woman. I am raised in the South. And so I mm-hmm. just kind of was always raised around old houses. And right. I always wanted to live in a little old house. And it just kind of was something that just was a part of my heart that I wanted to be able to do one day. And it just struck me that, first of all, we're not even using half of this. We're paying this mortgage. We're heating it. We're air conditioning it. We're maintaining it. And we're not mm-hmm. even using it. We didn't even have furniture in our in our formal living areas. Like, we didn't have a formal living room set. We didn't have a formal dining set. It just literally was like an empty space in our house for three years. You know, and I just said, this is not... Like, what are we doing? This is crazy. This is ridiculous. I I just said, honey, I really think that maybe we should think about getting a smaller house because we're not, we're living as if we are small home dwellers in this really big house right now. (laughs) And, you know, it's so interesting because your story sounds so much like ours that I kind of had that same realization of we're living in about Mm -hmm. half our house and I don't need all of this space and there's whole rooms that we literally don't walk in. Like, I don't know the last time I went in that room. What I hear you saying that felt like what I was feeling was I'm living this like maybe typical American dream, Mm -hmm. but it's not my dream. Like this isn't what I want for my family. And even the idea of like, oh, it'd be so fun to live in in a charming older home in the middle of town versus like a big sprawling home in the suburb. And, but that's, I mean, those are totally different decisions. You can't have both very easily. And so being able to recognize that maybe the things that everyone else 
is telling you you're supposed to have or that, you know, this is the dream, like to move up and to buy that house that's, you know, that your family has room to grow into and all of that. Um, it takes like a little bit of introspection and perspective to realize that, you know, that that's right for a lot of people and it might not be right for me. Right. Absolutely. Just thinking about all those things. And at the same time, my children were in elementary school, they were school age. And we really started to notice this sense of entitlement that was growing in them that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think that a big part of that had to do really with their environment too. I mean, they, we were in a neighborhood with all these really big houses, all their friends had huge houses. We would go, you know, they would go for sleepovers and they would come home and say, well, mom, you know, so-and-so has, you know, two stories in her house. They have, you know, a sunroom and five bedrooms and they have a pool. And, they, and I started to notice that this conversation was less about their family and their friends and like the things that I felt like the focus should be. And it was more on like the things that their friends had that they didn't have. Right. Um, yes. That's so interesting. And, you know, and I just kind of was like, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> this is not happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really, We're gonna make a change. really, exactly. And so that was another layer of, you know, really our decision to downsize was just, just to really show our children that just because one someone has that doesn't mean that that's necessarily what you need to aspire to have, and that right. that is not what is important. Just to show them that you can have a very happy, full, wonderful, amazing life in a smaller home and it have nothing has nothing to do with, you know, how you see the world and how the world sees you and people's perceptions and just really it's just like a whole life lesson there. So yeah. yeah, I love that. So I you talked about how you recognized that you were only living in about half of your twenty four hundred square foot home. Did that help you determine what amount of space would be right for your family when you did decide to like, okay, we're going to move, we're gonna find a smaller home, we're gonna move out of yeah. this neighborhood um, 1,200 sounded about right because that's about what you felt you had been using. Yes. And I actually even gave ourselves a little bit more grace. I was looking for around 1,500, you know. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was – I knew that going from 2,400 straight to, like, you know, 1,000 or 1,100 really drastic. Would feel I like mean, a pinch. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it would feel – I mean, it was just going to be, like, one day you've got it, the next day you don't, which I knew we would adjust, but still – um, even 1,500 square feet is still smaller than the national average. And so I just kind of felt like 1,500 is a good number. I didn't go into our home search searching for square footage. It was more so the flow of the house, the number of the bedrooms. And I did, however, tell our realtor we don't want anything larger than about 15 or 1,600. You know, asked her not to show us anything above that. So how did you know that the cottage bungalow, that's what you call your home, how did you know that that house was the right one for you? Oh, gosh. So um, interestingly enough, we were in escrow um, for about three months on a different house. We were four days away from closing. Yes, Uh we were four days away from closing on this other house. Something just wasn't right. The seller's realtor did something that really did not sit well with me. And I just was like, no. We were really frustrated that we had spent so much time and energy on this particular house and then for it not to work out. But mm-hmm. um, I actually found our current house online. I was just, I, we had narrowed down our search. We discovered which area we really loved. And I memorized all the street names. 
<laughs> and I was at home, and I, I was, like every day, yeah, every day I would just go on to MLS and I would just type in all the street names just to see if anything new had come up. And I typed in the name of our street, and this little house came up. And at first, I didn't think it was going to work out because our house only had two bedrooms and one bathroom. Right. And we really, really wanted to find the three two. So my wife was literally like, I will do anything. The house could be a complete dump, but it has to have two bathrooms. Like, that is non negotiable. And I just saw how absolutely charming it was, and I saw that Mm -hmm. it was on a really huge lot. And I just said, you know, hey, honey, I found something, but it's only got two bedrooms and one bathroom. She's like, absolutely not. I don't even want to hear about it. We're not talking about it. We're not. (laughs) This is non-negotiable. Yes, it was like, we're not doing it. I mean, and we got into the biggest argument that night. And we woke up the next morning, and she was like, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm just really stressed out. This whole process is stressful. Let's go look at the house, but don't get your hopes up, is basically what right. she told me. So, yeah, I love it. So, yeah, so I <laughs> at the house, and as soon as I pulled up, and as soon as she opened the door, I walked in, and I was like, this is our house. I just felt it from all the original details and I just felt like I just felt like this this is where our family needed to be mm-hmm. and I knew it was going to be a lot of work and I knew it was going to be a struggle because of the bathroom situation so that brings up an interesting question about the I want to ask you about some challenges that you maybe didn't yeah. expect about downsizing and about living in a smaller uh-huh. space does that bathroom still pose a challenge is that still a challenge? And if not, what are some of the maybe two or three challenges that you didn't expect when you decided to move into this smaller space? Um, so, yes. The bath, the bathroom is, a ch- I mean, I it is not so much a challenge for me personally. Mm-hmm. It, it's uh-huh. for sure a challenge for my wife, and I think it's also a challenge for my daughter. In our previous house, my daughter basically had her own bathroom, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that it, 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 it can be a struggle. It can be a problem at nighttime when it's like bath time. You cannot go in there and be in there for an hour. You just can't. But I would say for me, the bathroom is probably the least of my worries. Mm-hmm. For me, the biggest struggle has been entertaining, making my guests really comfortable. That, I think, mm-hmm. has been a challenge for me. And I totally understand that, you know, because I look at it like if I'm a guest in someone's house, no matter what the size of their house, I'm just so happy to be in the presence of my friends and family that, like, I don't even care. I will literally sleep, like, in a corner on the floor and be happy because I'm with right. my friends and family, you know? Um, yes, do, but as the host, you want to offer the, all exactly. the luxuries that you can Exactly. Yeah. So that, that has been a challenge because in our previous house, we had plenty of space. We had a dedicated guest room. We had plenty of space for people to stretch and stretch out. We had two large dining areas, and I love to entertain. And so here in this house, we've lost our guest bedroom, right. and we have also lost our dining space. We have a very, very small, like, dining corners really what I call it Um, and that's been probably the hardest adjustment for me to make as far as like the infrastructure of the house that's been the hardest thing for me is the dining area and so I just kind of find alternative ways to entertain now you just have to make those adjustments instead of sitting down at a table 
that seats 10 to 12 like we had before, we now I, I now entertain in a different way. We don't have sit-down meals. We'll do things that allow us to all congregate, like, in the living room or that allow for us to kind of, like, move in between spaces rather than being just sedentary in one space. Well, I yeah. love that you, rather than, like, this is a challenge, entertaining in a smaller space, and I'm with you. We love to entertain, and we have several, like, traditional parties, like, times of year that we invite people over yeah. and do open houses, mm-hmm. and, and you move into a smaller space, and it kind of disrupts the flow. But yeah. I love that you, rather than saying, well, I guess we can't entertain anymore, you are changing the way that you entertain, and you're mm-hmm. coming up with these creative solutions so that you still, you know, you don't have to give up one for the other. You right. just do it differently. As a guest, I think that that creativity always adds something rather than going to another sit down. I mean, a sit down dinner is great, right? That's wonderful. But mm-hmm. it's kind of fun to go somewhere where the experience is a little bit different and has to, by yeah. virtue of the space, be a little more thoughtful. But that is an interesting challenge. And so your son and daughter, I'm just thinking of bedrooms, your son and daughter share a bedroom, your 16-year-old mm-hmm. daughter and your 11-year-old son. Actually, and has that don't. been a challenge? Oh, they, they don't. don't. So tell me, no. if you have so, two bedrooms, right. How, <laughs> right. Tell, so, tell me how this works. Right. So part of what drew me to the house is I noticed literally right off the dining room, there was this little area, I think, that was being used as a den by the previous owner. Okay. And I just kind of said, honey, because she was like, what are we supposed to do? There are only two bedrooms in this house. And I said, yeah, but there's this den that we could theoretically turn into our bedroom. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. Okay. So Our daughter technically yeah. has the master bedroom of the house. Mm-hmm. Our son has the second bedroom. And then there's a space that the previous owners were using as a den that we have basically essentially turned into our makeshift master bedroom. Master um, bedroom. It's kind of an awkward space. There's, like, slanted ceilings and... There was no closet. There was no door. There was no, there was no nothing on it. Oh. So we basically, <laughs> right. <laughs> so no door basically, for the master bedroom is a little tricky. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's right off the dining room as well. So, right. You know, the placement of it was not ideal, but it ends up, it ended up working. So um, we put on a, we put on a barn door. Because okay. you yeah, perfect. I mean, you can't swing open the door. It's just really tiny. Um, so we right. put on a barn door, and then we went to IKEA and got a packed closet system. I love those. One, yes. Yeah, and put against one wall. So rather than having like a walk-in closet or anything like that, um, we also don't have any dressers or chest of drawers or anything like that. We have created this custom in this space that has turned and we've made it into our bedroom. One of the things about the space that drew me to it at first is there's these French doors that lead out to the backyard. And I just thought, you know, this could be a great bedroom. This could be a great bedroom for us. Um, We are Mm -hmm. just going to have to make some adjustments and make it work for us. And so we did, and it's great. It's great now, but yeah. Definitely, it took some imagination. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. So creative, creative reuse of the spaces. I love that. I mm-hmm. find that that yeah. that is required when yep. living in a, a smaller space than what would be typical yeah. for your family size. Yep. So um, I love that you've done that. 
let me ask you now about some of your, we talked about some challenges. What are a couple of your favorite things about living in a smaller space? Oh my gosh. Oh, I mean, aside from the fact that it's cleaning, it is a breeze. I mean, look, I'm just going to be honest. As a mother, like the last thing I want to do on a Saturday is spend my weekends like cleaning. And it is so wonderful to be able to essentially clean my house from top to bottom in about two hours. That's it. It's yes. done. Um, so, I mean, just like that is always a good thing. Yeah, I think more than that, I really appreciate how close our family is because of our our small home, honestly. we Just the proximity makes it like we can't not see each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. there's no right. way around yeah. it. You know, it's, the proximity makes it as it is. But honestly, also – Living small has given us, like, a lot of consideration for the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, we all understand that we're all in this together. There's no vast wing. It's not like you can go off to your corner of the house and somebody else can go off to their wing of the house. We have to be understanding of each other's space. It, it also makes us just a lot more aware of the fact that even though we are living small, like, we have to understand that, Sometimes people need a moment. They need their space. They need their time. So it's like we have to be aware of that and give give each other the opportunity to do that, to kind of be like, okay, I love you, but, like, I need a, I need a minute to, like, sneak away. It just and, – and our house feels really cozy. Like, it feels like a hug. It just feels like a really, really good, good space. Also, I've been able to do things – you know, my wife and I have been able to make some decisions – things like me starting a business and me like leaving my nine to five to really focus on um, being a content creator and being a blogger. These are things that I would have never been able to do if we still had the financial responsibilities of our last house. It's so much easier for us to go down to being a, like a one income household, like steady income, you know, like household. Right. When our mortgage is, what it is now. I mean, we pay mm-hmm. less in mortgage now than we did in rent. It's nice to have that buffer, you know, because we've been able to really take time to, like, you know, figure out what we want and not have to be like, but I can't do this because we cannot pay our mortgage if we both aren't working full time. Right. Yeah. So that, that buffer yeah. is so nice. It's really nice. Yeah. It's really, really nice. And, you know, obviously, heating costs, cooling costs, um, maintenance, you know, it, it, it's definitely, definitely so much nicer. And I just feel like we have less house, but we have more life now. And before we had more totally. house and less life. <laughs> so, okay, last couple questions. Um, first, I just have to ask you about design because I just admire your design style, your aesthetic, your – you just – really have the most beautiful design eye and I I love it. So how would you help someone discover their own personal design style when it comes to their home? That's a great question. I think the first thing that people have to do is they have to take other people's opinions and thoughts out of it. That's like mm-hmm. number one. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is- I love that. Yes. And, and this is what I tell my clients that I work with as well you have to really give yourself permission to do your own thing. And I think that's that's probably the hardest part of it all, is that it's people just feeling like, can I do this? Like, I don't want to paint my walls white. I want them red. Can I do that? 
absolutely you can. There's you can. You can do you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I love it. I think that the biggest thing really again is taking other people out of it and letting go of the fear that you're gonna do something wrong. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things that I would say. Because at the end of the day, you are the one that has to live in these spaces. This is your home. This isn't your neighbor's home or the person's home you saw on TV or whatever. This is your home. So I think the thing, no matter what size your house is, whether it's 3,000 square feet or whether it's 300 square feet, the thing that makes the house beautiful and special is when it is something that you have created and when it is a space that brings you joy, whatever that looks like for you, no matter what. And I think that as soon as you start to make those decisions for yourself and no longer care what other people may think about it or how they may feel about it, once you do that, that is really when you start to hit your design stride because that's when you start to create spaces for you. At the end of the day, you're the one that has to live there. That's just yes, it. Yes, I love that. Yes, and I, know I seems, love it so much. It's, I know it seems really simple, but it really is. It really is that simple. You know what I mean? I don't know. Right? Well, it's surprising how many people, though, just need to hear that and need to, like, have someone give them permission to choose the thing that they like. Like, I mean, that seems silly. Like, wait, I like it, but but is that okay? And, yes, it is okay. I love that. And you're such a good example of that because I feel like what what I see you do that's really inspiring is that you experiment. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you make a choice and you say, I'm going to try this out and see what I think about it. And then yeah. you you live with it for a little while and decide, you know what, I don't love it, so we're going to make a different yeah. choice. And that, that is just <laughs> yeah. part of the process. Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, Absolutely. But you wouldn't know that unless you made the first choice and you actually yeah. tried it out. And maybe you mm-hmm. paint a room red and then decide that you want to paint it back a different color, but right. you won't know that unless you try. And so giving mm-hmm. people permission to really own that and experiment with it and not feel like they're going to make a wrong choice, but just choices that right. lead them to more discovery. To different, I love that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think for me, design is so fun as soon as you start to allow yourself to do things the way that you want to do them. And again, realizing that there are no mistakes. Maybe you try something like you said and you're like, yeah, that didn't quite pan out how I expected, but that's okay. We're going right. to take a moment, we're going to readjust, and we're going to move forward. Yeah. This is not brain surgery. Like no one is going to die if you yeah. paint your wall purple and don't like it. It is, totally. is not yeah. a life-changing situation here. Right. Yeah. yeah. And when as soon as you take it too seriously, then you don't enjoy it anymore. So Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Okay, amazing. Well, last question. I want to ask you, what are you most excited about right now? With your with the cottage bungalow, with your garden or with your life? What is really lighting you up right now? Oh my gosh. Oh, this is a hard one. Yeah, so definitely I've got a couple things that are making me super excited. Number one Okay. Um uh, we are going to be focusing on our, on our outdoor spaces this year, so I'm very excited to see my my garden up and running. I've been dreaming of a protege garden for literally since the day I got keys to this house. So I'm very excited to to get our garden going and 
you know, to get our chickens in and really, you're, Yay, you're, chicken, you're gonna love you're the chicken, chickens. Mom, right? Oh my okay. gosh, chickens are the best. Yes, <laughs> yes. So you're gonna love them. I am very excited to to start growing more of my food. I grew up with a grandmother who had a huge garden, and we just I loved going out and being able to pick our fresh fruits and vegetables and having food, um, you know, cooked from what we planted. I mean, it was just such a huge part of my my childhood. And so now to be able to do that as an adult and to have my children experience it too is really big. So I'm very excited about that. Yes. I also am just very excited about what's happening with the interiors of our home right now. I've got some really fun projects coming up. I'm just really loving it, you know. I look around and I'm just like, this house feels so me. Like this is really, this is really, really me. I am right now scoping out wallpaper for our kitchen. The bolder, the better. Uh, Um, I'm with you. I love wallpaper too. Yeah, so fun. I'm very excited about that. And I've got some things happening in our bedroom as well to kind of make it look even more like an intentional part of our home rather than just like a room off dining room that we did something to. Those sound like really fun things. I am so excited about your garden too. I love following along and seeing your plans and I we're going through a similar thing over here. I have the chickens already but I don't have a garden yet and I'm working on landscaping this this coming spring. So so that will be fun to to follow in your footsteps as I learn from all the things that you're learning and sharing. So thank you so much. Because yeah, yeah. this is about to be trial and error. Okay. So I feel the same way. I'm like, I'm going to like back up, have a backup of going to the farmer's market on Saturdays. Like if there's no harvest that actually grows, then at least we can go get it like down at the farmer's market. Right. We'll call it local. (laughs) I love it so much. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Where can people find you if they want to look you up on your, on your blog and on Instagram, where should they find you? So if you, I'm always on Instagram. Instagram is my jam. Um, so you can find me at, on Instagram at sgardnerstyle, and on my blog, it's sgstyleblog. And, yeah, you can find me in, in either one of those places pretty much on a daily basis. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I love it. I will put links in the show notes so that you can find Shavonda and follow along and see all of the incredible spaces that she's creating both inside and out of the cottage bungalow. And um, I just want to say thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Shavonda, thank you so much again for such a wonderful conversation. I'm so excited to share this. And I want to invite everyone who's listening to go to the show notes, livefreecreative.co slash podcast. Look for episode 30. And you, I'm going to share a few photos from Shavonda's beautiful cottage bungalow and also all of the information so you can find her and follow her because she's amazing. As we finish up today, I just want to ask you a couple questions. How can you use the space that you live in just a little bit better without needing to have more or even have less? How can you be creative and intentional about the home that is yours right now, even if it doesn't feel ideal to you? I absolutely believe in making where you live the very best that it can be and making very intentional choices about the things that you add and the way that you use each room. I like to ask myself, 
what is the purpose of this room? What do we want to do here? And then make sure that everything that we need in order to do those things in that room are there. For example, in our living room, I want to gather, I want to spend time together, we want to watch movies there, and we also want to play games there. So we have a couch and some chairs. I have a basket nearby with a couple blankets for cozying up to watch a movie. In another basket, I have all of our family games that can tuck right next to the couch but be pulled out easily when we have a little bit of extra time. So make sure that in each of your rooms that you consider what it is you want to do and also how you want to feel and then see if you can make just the tiniest adjustments to make the space that you live in now the very best that it can be. As a final thought, I want you to reconsider the idea of growing into a house. We mentioned in the interview with Shavonda how people buy bigger homes so that they can grow into them. I want you to consider how you can grow into a house that isn't bigger. You can grow into a space by growing in deeper, by feeling more in touch, by feeling more peaceful and feeling more content with the space that you have. This episode was not meant to convince you of the idea that you need a smaller house than you have or that it's always a good idea to downsize. Rather to just invite you to consider a new perspective and to try to live with intention and be grateful for the space that you are in wherever it might be right now. I want to finish today's episode by sharing a quick listener review. This review is from Super Maret. M-A-R-E-T-T-E. She said, I just listened to my first Live Free Creative podcast, number six on creativity. It was an incredible eye-opener for me and truly inspirational to open up and get in touch with my innate creativity. I was raised hearing that my sibling was the creative one and me, not so much. But just because I don't draw or paint doesn't mean I'm not creative. Since listening to Miranda's podcast, I've started recognizing, appreciating, and expanding on the things I love doing, which are creative in their own way. I love decorating, playing with color combinations, designing, and coming up with new ideas in styling. And now I'm freeing up more time to spend doing these things that I love. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and inspiring viewpoints. I can't wait to listen to more of you. Thank you so much for that thoughtful comment. I am so happy that that episode 26 on creativity hit a chord with you and that you have been opening up and experimenting with your creativity a little bit more fully. Make sure to send an email to michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, at livefreecreative.co to send her your address so we can put a thank you for the review gift package in the mail. If you haven't yet left a review on iTunes, let me invite you to do that as I do every week. Every few episodes, I choose one to read and we send a thank you gift pack in the mail. I absolutely appreciate your time, your intention, and showing up and listening to me today. If you haven't yet subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you listen on. I can't wait to chat more with you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.